0: Episode number 10, Slam City on Dunk360.com. Munko Sonia, Raymond Mora, Jeremy Epstein in studio in beautiful Bryant Park. And um I'm sorry, I did not download Pokemon Go. I, I, I don't get why people care about it so much.
1: It's a fun game.
0: I love it. You gotta catch them all.
1: I know. People seem to get caught like 60 or 100 already. It's just crazy. Well,
0: y'all ain't got nothing
1: better to do. If you go to Central Park, there's probably a lot of Pokemon. What
0: are you doing instead? I'd rather read. I don't even believe you're reading. Like, Except, I, I don't give a damn if you believe it. In
1: this day and age, everybody's just playing Pokemon Go or being on, t- on tech stuff. So,
2: I don't know. You're on your phone anyway. Might yeah. as
0: well. I'd rather read the Kindle app than ever do anything Pokemon Go related.
2: Duncan, a three-pointer, puts it up. It's good! Tim Duncan, from three-point land, ties
0: the game! Tim Duncan, in the most Tim Duncan way ever, released a statement without... Direct quotes and then a note thereafter. No pageantry. He came in quietly and he left just as quietly, fellas.
1: Well, uh, you talk about the fundamentals. of You know, that's his that's his nickname, the fundamentals. The big fundamental yeah, Exactly. And he's, you know, I I consider him probably the best power forward I've ever seen, just because, of, because consistency. I mean, this guy averaged 19 and 10 throughout his career in 19 seasons, between assists. Um, you know, on the court, he has a 109 rating, and off the court i not even that much, like 107. So you can tell he makes an impact ES- like off the court.
2: ESPN put out a stat that his career plus minus from the regular season and the playoffs is plus 10,000. And, like, the next two closest are LeBron and Dirk, and they're plus 6,000 and something. So that really shows how great Tim Duncan was. And people don't really understand because he was so quiet on and off the court. But if you look at the 2003 finals against the then New Jersey Nets and now Brooklyn Nets, he averaged, like, 20, 15, five assists, five blocks in the last game of the series, Game 6, which might be his signature game. He had a 20-20. Ten assists and eight blocks. He almost had a quadruple-double. And you could have, you could make the argument, I'm probably of this camp, that Tim Duncan is the best player of the generation, even better than Kobe Bryant. You look at the statistically, numbers. Statistically, yeah. I think st- st- t- statistically, winning in general, all he did was win. You look at the San Antonio Spurs every year, they won, had at least a 600 winning percentage. They won 50 games every year. And plus he sacrificed. He was the true unselfish superstar in a small market. He's
1: also the second player in my history to have 26,000 points. Uh, 15,000 rebounds, 3,000 blocks. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive right there, too. And,
2: he's so, and he was so underappreciated by... Well, I think the stat was he had four Sports Illustrated covers his entire career. And this is the greatest power forward of all time. And he spent four for the full four years in college. Imagine if he came out early.
1: And he also graduated a degree in psychology. Don't think about that. He had the psychological was on opponent He doesn't really phase by you know whatever they do against him. And it I heard some of away.
2: the great like trash talking stories. Like he was guarding. Like Eton Thomas was telling a story how like Etan he made a move. Tim Duncan blocked the shot and he goes, you know like if you get into my body a little bit more and throw up this hook, I won't be able to block it or I'll foul you. Like he just was so nice everywhere on the court. He's really the true testament and. The fact that maybe if he was a little more bombastic and, you know, outgoing, people would really understand his legacy and how great of a player he was, but it, my fear is a player like him might be forgotten because he wasn't as outgoing as a guy like Kobe Bryant or a guy like LeBron. So that's only upsetting thing. And if
1: you look at if you look at the definition of consistency, you'll probably see a picture of him because that's what hundred oh,
0: percent. The thing about Tim Duncan that I think makes him so, so precious is the fact that even with other Hall of Fame peers like the Kevin Garnettes of the world he still stands above them. MVP awards, finals MVP awards. But when you think about the way his team was constructed, people almost don't take into account the fact, or rather they use it to his detriment, the fact that he had such a solid core around him that really wasn't all that flashy.
1: Well, yeah, and Ginobili and Parker, these guys, you know, they just get it done. You know, they're not flashy. They're just players that want to win the game. But he
2: also didn't have an ego. And like after 2003, the next championships they won, he wasn't the Finals MVP. I don't think. No, Parker was the env- the Finals MVP. He might have won seven. Yeah, he
1: was only Finals MVP in 1999
2: uh I think maybe 0- 2005 Yeah so 05 So I was wrong about that But after that he, I mean he Just basically Passed the torch He was—he's no ego And part of me believes If he came back this year I think he would have Agreed to come off the bench For Instead of for, So the Spurs Could have started A pal on the Marcus Aldridge Yeah So it's something That's interesting though
1: But maybe he felt like Because Durant went to the Warriors That really had no chance Maybe
2: Well I think Well they actually had This year when they won 67 games Was the best Regular season win In his entire career yeah. So but it was it's such a great such a great career for really a stand up guy.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And you know, it, each of the nineteen sixties he had a, at least a point six hundred winning percentage ever since he came into the the Spurs. So All he did been, was win. They've been dominant. And as a franchise they have a point six six twenty one, which is the best in the NBA history, in a history. I mean so the partner
2: the partnership between Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich is really unmatchable. I mean you can talk about Bill Russell and Red Auerbach I mean, there's not a lot of people you can compare them to.
1: You also, give credit to that front office, too. They did their jobs getting the players around him to be successful. They drafted
2: well and developed. And Tim Duncan yeah. for acquiescing. He, he could have been a guy like Kobe Bryant who, you know, really never wanted to share the spotlight or share the shots. But when Tony Parker was ready to come into his own, Tim Duncan said it's his team. Same thing with Mano Ginobili. And now with Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Aldridge.
1: So we ran a little poll on our Twitter account. Brand at, new, brand new. Brand new Twitter account at Slamp city underscore 360. It was for today's episode, you know, the new uh, NBA hack-a-shack rule. And 38% say that it could have done better. And, you know, I agree with that because, I mean, to be honest, I don't even think they should have a new rule. I mean, these guys, they're paid to to practice free throws game in and game out. They don't know how to make free throws. I mean, my my thing is,
0: though, I think for what they tried to do, they found the perfect compromise because you didn't want to end up totally – removing the rule which they kind of did but they did enough to at the very least keep things going like it's an added incentive to play all the way defense i guess
2: you know how you fix the problem they hit their free throws exactly that you can't like there's no reason to reward these guys or change rules because players who played millions of millions of dollars can't do a simple thing like hit a free throw that you don't reward deficiencies that's it, it Basically, the equivalent of baseball if if you're a singles hitter and you're hitting, you can't hit a ball four hundred feet if you move the fences in. It makes no sense. You can't change the rules. I mean, it's terrible for teams to exploit it, but the guys just got to hit their free throws. You look at guys like Andre Drummond shooting thirty percent awful.
1: Yeah, Jordan shooting like 37 and Dwight Howard
2: 50. Even a guy like Rondo is shooting terribly, and Rondo's a guard. Yeah. But that's, you know how you fix it? You hit your free throws. You but, work harder than that. And, and I don't practice. think anyone's
0: disputing the fact that these guys should be hitting their free throws, but using what they have and with what they're trying to do, I think they made the right decision for the league. I didn't say I like it, but they still made the right decision.
1: For but the you league. don't understand well these guys, when they have big hands, kind of factors in why they're missing so many shots
2: because when you have big hands, you're not really... What about Dirk? What about seven-footers like Dirk? You look at Chris Porzingis is seven foot three. Tim Duncan, we just talked about him. He was a terrible free throw shooter at the start of his career. He got his percentage up to the high 70s, 80s. Some you people, work at it. So,
1: yeah, people work at it. I mean, Porzingis, they work on in the shooting a lot, so he does work on his free throws. I think with Dirk, there's also other players that, you know, like tall players, you know, they pretty much work over what it is. But the thing I don't understand is that... This rule, I think, what Silver did was kind of stupid.
2: That's just me. Yeah, it, it, the problem with the rule is, at least in my opinion, is you're giving guys less reason to work on their free throws because you know they're just going to get hacked and then they know they're going to get the ball now. If anything, this rule is for the offensive guys, they want to get hacked because then they get the ball back.
1: I mean, if Shaq could do it in his time and do a stupid rule, then these guys could do it as well. I mean, it's, that's just a fact. Anyway,
0: Draymond Green, he is now becoming the NBA player. That everyone loves to hate, especially since he managed to go back to his alma mater, Michigan State, and get arrested for assault.
1: What? Well, he got arrested, but the thing is, I mean, I want to say we weren't surprised, but maybe this is a, you know, stuff that when they lost a the championship, maybe that still rubs him in the wrong way. Now, maybe taking frustration on innocent, well, I guess a kid that was talking trash to him.
2: He, the allegation is that he assaulted a Michigan State football player, and even if you're getting heckled as a professional athlete, there's no reason ever. Not only as a prof- professional athlete, but a person <laughs> in general to put your hands on somebody if you're getting heckled.
1: It shouldn't be because if, if you look at it this way, this looks bad on you, because a lot of kids s- want to see you as a role model, even yeah. though they're not supposed. To, they they don't. Like, you know how talk Barkley says, "They're not a role model and stuff like that." It just well, Charles
2: Barkley said, just because I can dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, with this, it just, it's just bad for him. It, it
2: looks bad on him because he did something you know, dis- dis- despicable and moronic. It looks bad on the Golden State Warriors and the yeah, NBA. The and it's also shining a negative light on Team USA because he's representing our country in the Olympics.
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean, it, it's just a shocker to hear that. And. Did you think this spells trouble for, for him in the future with these incidents? I just think
2: he clearly has a temper problem. You look at what he did in the playoffs. He couldn't control himself. and just kept hitting people in the groin. It probably cost the Warriors a championship, if, again, him getting suspended for Game 5. But I'm curious to know if you guys think he'll get thrown off the Olympic team or at least, like, talk to him. Jerry, I think Colangelo, to him. Jerry Colangelo and Mike Krzyzewski can't be really too pleased that a couple of weeks before you know they have to convene in Vegas for the training camp that one of the players is getting arrested for assault. What's probably going to
0: happen is he's not going to start. I think they're going to make their statement through the minutes because it may not – I know that it's not a great look for the country, but it's not like it happened during training camp. It's
2: it still happened, happened though. It's,
0: yeah, it happened, but it happened before they convened. So even though he was named, they haven't really started anything official yet. All I see happening is that they just slice his minutes. He wasn't going to start anyway, though, most likely. Of course not. I mean, with – how the team was stacked he wasn't going to start but now he's going to see the floor a little bit less or he's just going to have to work a lot harder to get those minutes
2: yeah they should if the usa and team and the team usa really wanted to make a statement though this is a strong statement they can make that you know the u.s isn't going to either sport any olympic sport isn't going to stand for things like what athletes do or negatively off the court that reflect badly on our country and especially criminal charges
1: but you think that with this incident though there's more to come or is just a one-timer
2: well there's also you also have to wait for all the facts to come out Draymond Green and his lawyers have strongly implied that this whole thing is going to be resolved quickly it was a misunderstanding that he's innocent so I guess that's why Team USA to counter my argument wouldn't be so willing to throw him off the team but I don't think it's going to spell more trouble I mean Mm -hmm. athletes get heckled all the time he lost his composure he was intoxicated as a police report said so I guess he has to watch himself or maybe surround himself with people who are would be willing to hold him back and say, look, you have so much to lose. Don't do anything stupid.
1: What, what do you think the best situation would be for Green, though? You think with this incident and they move forward and, and hope they prove innocent, but you think the NBA might have to stay with that? if They might susp- suspend him. Suspending?
2: They they might suspend him. I mean, damn I, NBA waits for all the legal stuff to finish. I look at Mike Scott of the Atlanta Hawks. He's... Uh, was arrested on drug charges last summer. I don't believe he was suspended. I mean, they wait for the whole legal process to play out, and then they'll probably f- take some sort of action.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. With with Durant going to the Warriors, it might be a blessing to discuss with the Warriors again. With somebody coming in, maybe if Green does get suspended. Well, it's, it's tough, anyway.
2: though, because then you don't have the continuity right away. I mean, they are playing together in Team USA, but you're going to miss some of those uh, early games where... That you won't be able to work the kinks out and that that'll be tough for them. Especially with that death lineup because Draymond Green plays obviously a huge part in that playing the five. Well no apocalypse lineup now with Durant there, but
1: you know. But for USA I think that they'll be fine with this. You know, still got a lot of depth with the team. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they still pull all teams by like twenty or thirty points. No, right, the one.
2: USA could field three teams and they'd win gold, silver, and bronze.
1: Got a condo on my
0: wrist, girl, Well, we talked about a suspension possibly costing Draymond Green money, but you know who just made a lot of money? The now former owners of the UFC. They sold it for $4 billion. And in essence, it was, Jeremy, you're someone
2: who's known a lot about this. In essence, it was the perfect business deal. Well, obviously they, the Fertitta brothers and Dana White, they bought Dana White owned a small percentage, of Fertitta brothers owned the larger percentage, but they bought it fifteen years ago for two million dollars, and they just sold it for four billion. So it's a solid return on investment right there. But it, it was uh, it was time. I mean, you can't turn. No matter how rich you are, four billion dollars. The UFC is thriving controversy sells with John Jones getting thrown off the card UFC 200 one of the baddest fight cards in history then they sold it to a group that I think is going to do a lot with it Dana White's going to stay on and Dana White's really the face of the UFC so him staying on was really imperative but I think it's going to take the sport to the next level
1: yeah I think it is um because you know they're going to have to find a way to get more talent for the sport you look at not only he's scripted, but you look at how they make so much money. But they also scout for for wrestlers to be part of their business. They got the UFC. Well, got the same thing. They,
2: they do. They, you know Dana White flies around the country. He's a, he has a reality show that documents They have the Ultimate Fighter. They always are up on the look for up and coming talent. So they definitely scout. It's gonna be more about promoting the athletes. You got the few athletes like Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, who are the face of the UFC, and you have a whole bunch of really really good fighters, but no one knows their name. And so this is the good thing about wme and img two strong talent agencies acquiring it is that they're going to be able to promote some of these athletes and they're going to get the name recognition they're going to be boxing back when when you had evander holyfield mike tyson riddick Bowe, all these type of fighters with name recognition Lennox Lewis even more So you're going to have More guys People respecting the fighters Even more And they're going to be Oversaturated in the media Which Dana White Has repeatedly said Is going to take the sport To the next level
1: You think this will help out With Brock Lesnar Since he's like Well Brock crazy? Lesnar
2: He's an interesting thing Because he's under contract With WWE Yeah So to fight They always have to work Out a deal That Vince McMahon Obviously the main guy Over at WWE Would let Brock come to the UFC Because what happens with if Brock breaks his arm You know he's a huge draw On WWE so, that'll cause Vince McMahon a ton of money. So, for the UFC, it's good. It's definitely going to take the sports to the next level. Hopefully, for them, it'll increase pay-per-view buys and things like that. But it's it's definitely a good thing for the UFC. Probably just a
1: beast, though. I mean, that guy could probably do UFC and wrestle and still be fun. Well, he's
2: been doing it. I mean, you look at—he took five years off. He came back for UFC 200, and he handled—Mark pr- the Hunt's a top-ten heavyweight ranked in the UFC. Brock Lesnar has a— four- five years yeah, and he comes back and pretty much handled him pretty easily
1: well he has also a wrestling background I mean the guy was at the NCAA championship exactly. when he was in college so he knows how to you know handle the groundwork and everything and the thing about UFC fighters is that when you have a wrestling background you pretty much have the upper advantage over anybody if you got I guy can have a boxing background they'll be good but they gotta match the grappling yeah the but
2: grappling it, is the toughest thing that's why like if that's why when they compare boxers and MMA it's if the MMA fighter fights in boxing rules the boxer will win but if the boxer has to fight in MMA rules the MMA fighter is going to win You look at James Tony When he fought an MMA fighter In the octagon of the UFC He got destroyed So the, They're two different types uh, Types of file styles, fight a, styles I
1: have a question though uh, if, if if Bruce Lee was still alive Because he was the one Who really meant, invented MMA Where you know you had all this boxing grappling But if he was alive you think he would like The direction of where This, this is going UFC
2: I think he'd like that Everything is It's becoming a world global sport and that's what the Fertito brothers and Dana White have really tried to do. This they're having fights overseas. I mean, Ronda Rousey defended her title, um, she fought in Brazil, I think, in, in Rio. But it's gonna be interesting because the Fertito brothers and Dana White work so well together. They're friends from h- high school, childhood. And Dana White's a really passionate guy. He, he doesn't really—he's a headache for the PR people. He says what he thinks all the time. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he meshes with the new ownership. You think uh,
1: Bruce Lee was in his prime? You think he'll dominate? in today's world of UFC
2: well it depends on who he's fighting but Bruce Lee was one of the greatest fighters of all time so
1: he had the biggest strength too I mean this guy had a squat 650 but almost like four times his strength at 130 I mean the guy is pretty much superhuman so he, I mean, he could do any weight and still dominate
2: yeah Bruce Lee was up there but you know the, to focus on the sale It's what do you guys think? How I mean, I've said a lot. What do you think it's gonna do for the sport? Because you look at what they already—they have the Ultimate Fighter. That's you're gonna see, got more people like Ronda Rousey who's transitioning the feature films. You, I think that's what it's gonna do for the sport. It's really gonna expand it, expand the brand. The biggest,
0: the biggest thing about it to me is that they're linking with IMG. IMG is one of the biggest athlete representative firms and also one of the biggest athlete publicity firms in the world, and they've got their footnote nearly everywhere and when you link with them you have avenues and other opportunities with the sale that you may not have anywhere else and the saturation that happened beforehand like you were talking about really kind of helped smooth over the transition and now if if we thought we heard a lot about it before it may become one of the it may overtake one of the four major sports if it hasn't already in some people's minds. What
2: do you make of the price tag? Because a lot of people are saying it's the biggest sports deal in history, which by numbers is true, but I think that what people are missing is that they're buying an entire league. Exactly. Like The Clippers sold for, what, $2 billion? That's one individual team. If the NBA was sold, it would sell for a lot more than $4 billion, But still, I, that's the only thing that I don't understand where people are over-evaluating that so much because they're comparing it to team purchases. They're not comparing it to le- fellow league purchases. It, it's
0: an unprecedented deal. It's It's never been done before. I don't think it's ever going to be done, because if, if I recall correctly, pretty much in every other league, when you buy a team, you also have a percentage of the league, which is why you can't really- Percentage sell. of
2: the profits and things like that. that. It, yeah, 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 because
0: that, that's why no one's going to sell the league. That's why Roger Goodell can't turn around and say, hey, he wants to buy the NFL. And I, trust
1: me, I think he'd do it. If he could, he would. That'd be crazy though if he sold the NFL somewhere. But
2: else. hopefully for the sport, because now fighters they see the four billion dollar price tag and there's been controversy with UFC fighters being so underpaid and that's why the UFC has been gotten this tremendous evalu- valuation and sold for so much, is that fighters are now talking about unionizing and that's something you don't even see in boxing. Boxing is a mess. If the if the fighters in the UFC unionize, they could get health care, they could get the percentage of the revenue up. That's something to look out for because that's something I don't think Dana White or w, um, WME and IMG would want.
0: And yeah. I think the best part about it that you just mentioned, I think for them to unionize, it would be a high, it would be nearly a higher price tag than any of the other leagues because of the constant physical beating that these fighters take. So I think the cost for UFC it's one thing because the NFL players association is is pretty ineffective. You know, it's got its good days and its bad days, but there're still a lot of things to be done. If UFC if the UFC fighters all unionize and get their ducks in a row, that could cost the league a
2: significant amount of it money. It probably will. Because it'd be, it'd be an unprecedented thing. Cause I don't think any other fighting sports, but I know boxing, and not other, they're, they're not unionized at all. Not a
0: chance. So
2: it would be unprecedented. And, you know, the fighters are the product. Because you can't really find replacement fighters. Like when the NFL, and that they locked out, they found replacement players and things like that. But you would significantly damage the brand and damage the product. You had to bring in guys who aren't as talented as, you know, Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, and girls like Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate and the new champion Amanda Nunes so it'd be it that's something that's really going to be interesting to see, because they see the 4000000000 billion. They've heard how much money it's made. They've seen how the sport has grown from $2 million back way back in the early 2000s to where it is now. And they deservedly so think, look, we're really valuable. We deserve a bigger piece of the pie. We should f- come together and form a union and actually have a collective bargaining agreement and negotiate.
0: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sponsors that usually do most of the funding for these athletes,
2: correct? Well, the UFC is sponsored by Reebok, so I think you have to, and to get outside sponsorships, there's things like you have to pay the UFC a certain amount of money to even Get outside sponsorship. So the UFC's really done a great job of cornering the market. They're really the only game in town. You could fight for other promotions, but you're not no gonna make gonna the care. same money. No one's gonna care. Exactly. So that's why I figure that the
0: union would be even a bigger deal because it's not free reign like in boxing where Floyd Mayweather can command a fifty million dollar payday just for himself. I don't think a UFC a UFC fighter can't do
2: that. Well the UFC fighters have the promotional they the UFC is structured right so Dana White promotes the fights and the UFC promotes the fights the boxers themselves through their own promotional companies promote the fight you don't know, like that athletic commissions are jokes basically like Nevada State Athletic Commission they don't promote fights you see Floyd Mayweather Mayweather the promotions Matty Pacquiao is a promotion line who's coming out of retirement so all these the boxers really control their the, the high level boxers do but the low level ones have a hard time promoting the fights so they have to sign with guys and it's it's really tough for them out there. So, but the UFC they have a structured promotional thing. So that's the main difference. So then,
0: how quickly does that get blown up if it gets blown up at all? Because I think with the big price tag that we've been talking about, somebody or at least maybe it could take maybe even three or four of the bigger names in UFC to say, all right, this isn't working for us.
2: Well, you look at a guy like Conor McGregor who kind of took a stand and was like, I'm not flying out to do a press conference. And they threw him off the card. Yeah. So if they're gonna yeah, do I that to the really- high to the, one of the um, fighters with the highest profile, it's sending a message that, you know, we're not to be messed with. We really mean business. We are taking a strict stand. So it's going to be tough for the UFC fighters to unionize. It's something that I think they should really consider, but they're gonna going have to become uh, loaded. Exactly. Isn't it more like
1: an ego thing though? If you could have utilized like that, because they, you know, they think they deserve more money. Than well, it's not should. an ego
2: thing if they do. I mean, you look at UFC fighters, you look at boxers. You know how much damage they take, like yeah, they down go. the line, and how they're going to need and help with need medical certain, benefits. Yeah, and they, boxers, I think the UFC yeah. does a decent job with it. But obviously, if you're a fighter, you're going to want more because, like, you're going in, you're the one who's taking ten punches to the face. You're the one who's being put, especially the UFC, being put in submissions, breaking bones. You know, taking I mean, all the damage.
0: I mean, just look at Anderson Silva. When he got beat last week, he came fresh off a of gallbladder surgery. He was supposed to be in recovery when they brought him in.
2: Yeah, and you could go back to when he uh, fought Chris Wyman after Wyman took his belt and that and leg snap. Yeah, I mean he, his career was over after that. That's what a lot of people said. He was or late 30s and his leg completely snapped. And if that Anderson Silva wasn't the fighter with the level he was, that surgery would have been so much tougher and he probably wouldn't have been able to fight again if he wasn't the same caliber fighter, had the same name recognition, and the same amount of money. So if that's a lesser fighter who's known, his career's over, his way of making a living is over.
0: Swung on and line to right field. It is high, it is far, that is gone. To make things a little local, let's talk baseball, especially since on one end you have Mets fans mm-hmm who are praying and hoping that they can keep it together to maybe make a wild card run and they're also cursing themselves for letting Dan Murphy go. Meanwhile, the Yankees cur- well, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, they are they're not, not
1: cursing themselves for letting go of Dan Murphy. That was a business decision. They had no idea it was going to be this great, okay? So that was a business decision to let him go. Meanwhile,
0: the Yankees they're just straight mediocre. They are. Literally, they're if,
2: 500. If, that's literally mediocre. Yeah, that's definition <laughs> so, right there.
0: So, if we if seeing as we're all in one accord, trying
1: to look at this objectively, would you rather be a Mets fan or a Yankees fan right now? I'd rather be no one's fan. I feel like both of these teams have just, you know, they are what they are. You know, the record says what they are. Mets are just trying to hang on, hoping that they'll get a playoff spot, and the Yankees,
2: I don't even know what they're going to be. Are they trying to sell? Or are they trying to...
1: Get a players Well that's the no question
2: If they should buy or sell But obviously If you're a fan You would rather be In the position The Mets are in right now I mean the Mets Could make a run They still have one of the best stars. Even with Matt Harvey Being out for the year They still Their pitching staff Is still unbelievable
1: They're not a championship team without Matt Harvey Well Not like right that.
2: Well I don't <laughs> I
0: mean, know about that I mean You've got First of all He wasn't pitching like Matt Harvey of old Secondly, you have Dan Wheeler coming back near the end of the month, so he could be picking up the slack that they're missing. But the thing about the Mets that's been frustrating this year is that it was more of the same of what happened before Cespedes got there. And it's that if you don't get... A spectacular start out of your starting rotation, you lose the game. It's a lot of one
2: nothing, like two nothing, law lo- losses. But Those are really tough on the pitchers though, because they pitch their hearts out and they pitch so well, and they get no run support. You know how disheartening that is for a guy who does their job basically, It has to with every pitch. So much pressure on his arm. And keep not, in mind, I'm Familia on. has
0: thir- had nearly thirty saves before the All Star break.
1: But that's what the mess crazy. Are. They've been for the past two years. It's been uh, the pitchers don't uh, pitch lights out. They're gonna lose. Because well, their offense the just not, stinks. Not, but the not Mets' not offense like has that. been
2: anemic for the the last couple of years until basically the last trade deadline when they got Cespedes. They're going to need another acquisition, obviously, to push them over the top.
1: You just need consistency from their offense. That's what they need. Well, they need hits and, and need, maybe
2: a little bullpen help. But and that too, yeah. Because I think I, there was that Sandy Alderson might be looking for some bullpen help. But you got to hope that the guys play to the back of their baseball cards. Maybe oh, so. David Wright will come back. Who knows?
1: But I still think that Dan Murphy letting him go it was a good decision. That was an—I'm
2: I, I, sorry. It was a
1: decision like oh, this. On. You wouldn't say like this if he was batting this if he was batting this well, If he was batting terrible right now, people would say, oh, they let him go. Was well, a good Daniel
2: decision. Murphy was always a professional hitter. If you exactly, look at his numbers, yeah. he was always a 280, 300-type guy, 10 home runs, 10 to 12 home runs, decent amount of RBIs, and then he became Babe Ruth in the playoffs, so he wanted a large contract. But there was a reason. Daniel Murphy didn't go sign till. He was unsigned at least till like late December, January. He wanted to come back. So there's a reason why no other team signed him. No other team thought he was gonna perform this way. But the Mets decided they never were in love with his fielding. They felt that they he had was, guys. They had guys in the minor leagues who could come up and take his position. I mean, personally, I think I would have liked to have him back maybe for like one or two years. But for that money, right? You, they wanted the guys like Dilson Herrera to come up and play. So you're gonna pay Daniel Murphy 12 million a year to be utility backup? I mean, Neil Walker. You can't do that, especially with the Mets who have a tough budget. Neil
1: Walker's been playing pretty well. So
2: you have guys who are playing well, just Daniel, I don't think any of them expected (laughs) Daniel Murphy to be. This what, play this well and perform at the all-star caliber level. But how
1: could they pay him if David Wright was on the team? That's the question. They couldn't pay him anyway. They got to pay your Cespedes for Murphy, and they pay Cespedes over Murphy.
2: Well, they weren't gonna yeah. have Cespedes back either until he took that contract because he. And, and t- it's a one-year deal, even. It's it's a three-year, but he could opt out. Which it's what he's good. It's virtually what he gonna a gonna do. Deal. I think he's making like twenty-seven, or he's making a ton of money this year. But he could opt out, so that's tough. The Mets are gonna. Resign, have to re-sign him I think if the Mets were playing pretty poorly they might look to get rid of Cespedes maybe to get some return on the investment but because they look at the guy who they traded for Cespedes Fulmer he's having an unbelievable year in Detroit but that's what the whole problem with the Mets is they're a big market team but they act like they're in the small market
1: they spend very little money and that over. falls
2: on ownership I mean, so that's when you ask if you'd rather be a Mets fan or a Yankee fan. At least the Yankees show a commitment to spending money, while well, they've given out terrible contracts. <laughs> like <laughs> you look at Ellsbury and Arod, A Rod. They might talk, people are talking about oh, cutting don't, him. Don't
1: even get me started on Ellsbury because Ellsbury that was, was an awful when contract when they signed him the, the the first time. It was just did I anyone awful. like that contract? No, though, that Brian no. Cashman I would have got Cano over him because at least
2: Cano's more durable than Ellsbury. He literally I don't think who thought that was a good contract? That was an awful no Ellsbury. contract. Ellsbury hit over ten home runs before they signed him one time when he hit thirty that one year. He had but he could never 30, stay healthy. Yeah. He could never stay healthy. No one's he relies on his legs. You never give a speed player a seven, eight year contract Look at Carl Crawford. Look at Juan Pierre. <laughs> Well, I don't think Juan Pierre got a deal Okay, it like, didn't get crazy But even but still yeah, like, But yeah The went point is the same Yeah But like, it's ridiculous That contract was so bad And you had Brett Gardner already Yeah, Brett Gardner's been awful too So man. I don't I, What's worse for you guys The whole team's just uh, been awful But what's worse Having an ownership Who's willing to give out Big money contracts But those contracts are terrible Or being a in a situation like the Mets who are stingy with their contracts.
1: I'd be the guy who just goes over the board and sign these awful contracts because you going you're going all in. I mean if you don't go all in then fans are gonna be like you didn't go all in. So it's almost like a lose lose for then fans lose lose even go all in, then you know it's like oh you, you didn't spend a lot. Oh you didn't spend a lot then you know it's like it's like lose lose for any he, any team.
0: Here's what makes it interesting though. Earlier in the week a report came out because Brian Cashman, even though he's GM, he also owns parts of the Yankees. He wants out. So that makes things a little more interesting for me. And I guess it begs the question, those big contracts, were they Cashman's call or were they ownerships? I think it was
1: more ownership.
2: Well, you look at Brian sure. Cashman's not afraid to say, this isn't my call. When they signed Rafael Soriano, he was at the press conference. He was like, no, I didn't want to give up the draft pick. And then Rafael Soriano, when Mariano got hurt, really saved their season that one year.
1: Or so- a will Probably well, Aroch wasn't Cashman's done. deal. Yeah, that neither. was not
2: Brian. Ca- Brian Cash was vehemently against that contract.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it could be more of ownership than one of these. Well, players. there's
2: there's also a report that there there there's division in the organization with the baseball side wanting to sell off and plan for the future, and the business side, which is Randy Levine and the ownership and the Steinbrenners, wanting to you know ride this wave because they have so much talent in the back of the bullpen that if they get hot. They could really compete with anyone, really. Well,
1: the thing is, they're, they're not that far from the wildcard spot, but does it they really matter? They have to matter? leapfrog
2: a half dozen teams, does, though. But does it really does, matter, Yeah, though?
1: it does, because that five-and-a-half
0: game mark... They pretty much have to put a big dent into it in the next ten days. Exactly.
2: This is that's their season. What Inquad just said. Their their season really comes out in the next ten days because this is a brutal stretch right now. If
0: you go 500 or worse, you,
2: it might be tired. Get it over with. But you. This is what I've always been saying. You shouldn't sell until you absolutely have to. Because guys like Chapman, guys like Andrew Miller and Beltron, people are gonna want to acquire talent like that. Look what the Mets got from Carlos Beltran. They got Zach Wheeler. I mean, he's hurt now, but look at the top level of talent for Carlos Beltran. And he played awful with San Francisco and left it the end of the year so well, that you could so the closer the deadline gets because it's a day later this year it's august 1st but so the closer that gets the more willing teams are going to be desperate to acquire talent
1: but you think they should let go of a-rod and and trade well, you, Kraus, can't. you can't
2: because you got to pay him anyway you might as well just have him on the team to pay him anyway i mean you're gonna pay it's a waste though you give not, him 30 million dollars to do nothing useless right now though
0: yeah we know this but guess what you're paying for the
1: sins of your past
2: yeah, that, that's,
1: that's finding, the way all yeah. these conferences... Well, well, same thing with CeCe Sabathia, same thing with the Shero. same thing with... Well, CeCe's had a decent year this year. He's at but... CC earned his had, contract in four. He's had lapses, though. Well, if you look at CC Sabathia,
2: the first few years of his contract, he won 19 games, at least 19 games the first two, three, four years. So. Arguably
0: got robbed of a Cy Young in one
2: of them. Yeah, when he won, the one year he won 21, I think David Price won the Cy Young, and that was the year everyone was voting based off the analytics and things like that. And David Price had a better I think David Price won that. He had a better analytical season, so they gave it to him.
1: But you look at the Sherrod though and, and the way he's been playing too. It's just like for him, it's just he's been banged through injuries and he's not really having his body to heal. Here's the thing. Te-
0: let's look at who's probably coming off the books for the Yanks this season. Teixeira. Tex is off the books. Yeah. They've got McCann for another two or three years. And I have
1: no problem with McCann. That
0: was a good sign.
1: He was the you best catcher available. Exactly. He's the best you catcher
0: available.
2: You yeah. can't you can't be ru- Upset with that sign Everyone wanted Brian but like Ellsbury I don't think anyone wanted Jacoby no, Ellsbury. No Ellsbury
1: Ellsbury was the terrible and signing you can't get rid of him
2: No you can't Because who's going to Take nope. that money You're going to have to Take another bad contract back And I'll, Ellsbury's contract Might be the worst In baseball Can you to trade think Gardner? That. Well why? What's the
1: point? If you get prospects back
2: I guess <laughs> the plan for the future But you're kind of hamstrung Because you have these High level talent players Who, aren't, who can't play Because they're hurt Or they're just struggling And then they're making A ton of money So you're always like Stuck in the middle <laughs> Because that's what the Yankees did. They should have done this. They shouldn't have signed Ellsbury and McCann to all these big contracts, and they should have started rebuilding a few couple of years ago.
1: It tastes. even in the conversation to be traded. Hadley <laughs> never should have been signed. He's <laughs> becoming the Stephen. becoming Stephen Drew now this year because he's been bad. He's been playing pretty bad too. I mean, he's, been, he's been playing that well. Like he's been playing. If anything, he's been underperforming. Well, the
2: problem is with the Yankees also. They have a lot of guys who are so old that they can't play the field anymore. They have so many DHs on the team that yeah. the, their defense is really suffering.
1: I mean, for all we know, second baseman, shortstop, they're intact at least. You know, they're good. But the other spots, yeah, Gre- they Gre-
0: got a lot of work to do. I'm telling you, Gregorius, he's, he's really stepped into his zone I like that. But going back to your point, Ray, about people to build around, the thing that's making me very frustrated with the Yankees is the fact that they're giving out these journeyman contracts. Meanwhile, Ref Snyder's had to wait for Tashere to be injured to get time up here at the major league level, and Aaron Judge got injured in A, So you won't see him until August anyway when he could have helped spark them for this very important 10-game stretch.
1: The but also, the, the loss of Greg Bird really kind of hurt them depth-wise because they thought that with the Sheriff possibly battling to injuries and he never stays healthy. I don't care what everybody says. that Sheriff had a bad year of not staying healthy. We just say he's never healthy, but period. has been healthy for a few years, Yeah, though. so. But for Greg Bird to be in that position where he could have played, it would have helped him out, too. But this is the
2: problem with Greg Bird. When he got hurt, I really wasn't too upset about it because the way the Yankees spend money now... with. They're a little more, less, they're less willing to, you know, really break the bank. So Greg Berg being hurt it's better that he's hurt than if he was up in the majors not playing because then he's accruing service time and then he's going to get to arbitration a year earlier. Or if he's down in the minor league because he's a major league player because of what he did last year. Or if he's going to be down in the minor leagues getting all rightfully upset because a guy in the major leagues into share is blocking his position. So it's kind of, that was a lose-lose also because if you want share to stay healthy because he's a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy, and then but then you have Greg Bird in the minor leagues getting all upset because he's like, well, look what I did last year. I should be up in the big leagues. And if you have him in the big league He's not playing He's getting all the service time And then you're going to have to Pay him a year earlier In arbitration Which is terrible Well I think
1: what they should do though Is just, they just ride the season With these players So then these, post- these contracts Just come off well, Yeah but because that's the problem
2: Then you don't get anything for him. That's the uh, that's the only argument For selling Because then you're not Going to get anything For guys like Chapman You're not going to get anything For Beltran You're not going to get anything For But you know like these that.
1: guys Are going to aim for Bryce Harper Trial in the future So they might have Just get these contracts off To aim for them
0: Here's a question though I know we're looking down the line, but if the Yankees continue to be mediocre, what makes either of them want to come here? Are you
2: looking at the Yankees becoming basically the, what the Los Angeles Lakers are currently? Oh,
1: that too, yeah.
2: Because the Lakers are always... They're always people are saying they're the number one free agent destination. You don't say no to the Lakers. Well... What big name free agent has come to the Lakers? Well, they,
1: also, Boston, too, but they haven't got anything.
2: Well, Boston, the Celtics never get any free yeah. agent other than Al even Horford. Though, even though they have just but but Inqua is 100% right. I mean, you look at the Yankees, and people are going to want to come here. I mean, I think the Yankees are different because they show willingness to spend. There's no salary cap, so you could always add more players.
1: But they're also the dominant team in, in, French, in sports history, like with 2017. Yes, so, the
0: history speaks well for them, but history only goes so far if reason history sucks.
2: Well, they did make the playoffs last year. They won the wild card. They won the wild card. Second
1: wild card, I don't consider that really a playoff for them. Because it's like— they, they, that, No, they, the they, they, they hosted
2: the game. They, they yeah, won they the were wild the first card. They did, but the first they won it out. They, they should have won the division, but they collapsed. Yeah, but. they
1: collapsed because A-Rod disappeared. And, and when Severino made his start, that whole process from that point on was just terrible for the offense moving forward.
2: So but it was just bad. I th- I It is going to be interesting if free agents want to come here. I, I think, think they'll still want to come to the Harper Yankees. I think Harper
1: will come here. These are, these are diehard Yankees fans. It's going to be I hard. I would shocked. But it's going to be
0: hard to tell Bryce. It's going to be hard for someone to tell Bryce Harper, hey, you should go to New York when this Nationals team that is young. And even though they've had, <laughs> they've missed a few opportunities, they're one of the best teams in the league right now. They you are. Know, it's it's going to be hard. It's hard for me to convince anyone that Bryce Harper is ticketed anywhere near New York when Washington's If Bryce Harper so was out. a
1: Yankee, though, he will be the most hated player in MLB. it would be like... Part of the Eau Empire,
0: easily. Would, would they even? Would any of the old Yankee fans even like Bryce Harper? Is my question because he's he's part of that whole make baseball fun again, something that I I'm one hundred and ten percent for. Would the old school Yankee fans even appreciate a player like that who's? Very loud, who wears his emotions on his sleeves, and it's very intense.
2: I think if he competes hard on the field, they'll love him. Because if he's showing that on the field, if he's, like, diving for balls, if he's sliding head Which first, he the... so then they'll love him.
1: You know what does that, though? Mike Trout as well. But, yeah, but not the, it's not off until, like, 2021. It, 20, it okay.
2: really shows what baseball is, though. Like, you get a dominant player in basketball. Like You put LeBron James on any team, there'll be a playoff team. Look at Mike Trout on the Angels. Like, Mike Trout could have a fantastic year, and the he's, Angels could yeah. still miss the playoffs. Yeah. So there really isn't one player. The Yankees really need to—it's mm-hmm. all about building your pitching staff and oh. then getting uh, complementary offensive pieces around well,
1: them. Well, baseball is all about getting all the players. You can't you count all You can't win player. with one guy. Yeah, so it's not like— one player can make a difference. You need a, a, a lot more players to make a difference. Look at
2: the Colorado Rockies for years. They had Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez. How, what, how many championships did they win?
0: Keep in mind, even two years ago, they had Troy Tulowitzki, Nolan Arenado, who's now playing out of his mind, and Carlos Gonzalez.
2: So, baseball is really the quintessential team sport because you really need everyone playing at the highest level to be successful.
1: But what should we expect from the Yankees and Mets then moving forward this second half? Well, Mets make the playoffs?
2: Yeah, probably. I want to bet against the Mets making the playoffs. Yeah. And then with that Mets, pitching staff, Mets anything can happen. I think Mets are a wild card. The problem, Yankees? The problem with the Mets being the wild card, though, is what you were saying earlier. The Met, Their starter could pitch a hell of a game, and they'll lose one nothing because their offense won't be able to hit.
1: So what about Yankees? Playoffs? I don't know. Or, the Yankees, or, these I don't these think, next ten—ask me after these
2: next it. ten games.
1: Right now, I don't see it. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I don't see them making. They're the so
2: inconsistent because yeah. one one stretch they could look like one of the best. Like they could beat the Cleveland mm-hmm. Indians, they could take them down, and then they'll lose three out of four to like a terrible team. Yeah, so, that's I mean,
1: that's what that's what they are. They're an average team. But these next oh.
2: ten games against teams over five hundred are really gonna determine what the Yankees' future right now. Yep.
0: Yeah. straight up, they go nine and one. Cool.
2: That's unbelievable because look at the, count, the competition they're playing. They I, go, think they'll, I think
0: I think they go six and
2: four. That's tough then. The, the, if,
0: if if they go six and four, call it.
2: If they go six and four, five and five, then you gotta it. yeah, you might have to start selling.
0: <laughs> guys, before we get out of here, what did you guys think of the ESPYS on Wednesday? I I was able to catch a bit of it, and you know it's always it's always a really great production, but Craig Sager really stole the show. It's hard to really follow up the inspirational speech that Stuart Scott gave, you know, two years ago, but in that same spirit, you know, it was really great.
1: Yeah, it was really special. And uh, you know, I think one of the things about Craig Sager was that he said a lot of things about, you know, battling through this, you know, awful awful disease and cancer and you just got you you know, you gotta live it to the fullest no matter what you know people say you, you beat cancer you know, you know you you try to beat cancer you just keep going and hopefully he beats it and we'll see him live
2: well you look at all the speeches that they, whatever whoever gets that award is always given a fantastic speech yeah. And they're always tough to tie. And Craig Sager's speech was unbelievable. It really evoked like similar feelings in me when I watched Jimmy Valvano and Stuart Scott's speeches. And the ESPYs always does a good job of that. They honor the right people and they they always give fantastic speeches. And even the icon awards where you honored Peyton Manning, Abby Wombach, and Kobe. Yeah. Kobe cool. gave the funniest speech. We we're talking about it earlier, how like Kobe goes, Yeah, you know, Peyton Manning, he won a Super Bowl, he decided to retire. Abby Wambach's retiring off a of World Cup. Me, I go 17 and 65, and it's time for me to call a career. <laughs>
1: 60 points in his last yeah. game. But, you know, like, they're all icons for what they did in their exactly. sport. And that's and we're only going to remember them no matter what what happens, you know, the next 20 years. But we're still going to remember these players.
0: And the opening was really poignant for me. It's it's not often. I mean, we've seen a real stretch of it between what the Liberty did in their press conference this past Sunday, what the Lynx did You know, the day before and Carmelo speaking out when his article and on his Instagram post. But the way that they opened it as well with Carmelo, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade and and LeBron, it it was a really powerful. And those guys
2: catch a lot of flack because how friendly they are with each other, you know, the whole banana boat thing. But the fact that they really care about and they went to the SBS and they said, look, we're going to do this. Is this okay? Because they, they really feel they're believing what they're saying. And not a, lot of, not a lot of athletes do that. And it came especially during a time when, you know, the S P S were honoring Muhammad Ali. Chance
1: and, the Rapper did a great
2: job. Exactly. So it was unbelievable what those guys did.
1: Yeah, overall, I mean, the S P S was a great time, just, you know, looking at all these players, what they accomplished throughout this year and, and the icons and the speech that Craig Segura did. I mean, it was just – and John Cena hosting, it was kind of funny too. Um, he had one of the segments about the NBA, almost similar like the WWE with the whole – Hero and villain, or whatever it is, the story. It was, was kind of funny, but
0: it was a good show. Well, here's to the red carpet next year, fellas.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you guys there. Hopefully, we won't be there live and live, direct. Yeah, hey. live. Getting some. I hope I can, we can meet a lot of stars. I want to meet Russell Wilson for sure. Bringing the and great
2: interviews to the podcast. Yeah. Like we've been doing, except in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. in nice weather, with. A lot of famous people. Yeah. Ah, The possibilities are endless.
0: You never know, though. Anyway, we're out of here. Remember to follow us all on Twitter. At more in this tongue. At Jeremy EPS. And at underscore N-A-S-O. No, that's totally wrong. At N underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E. Only I could manage to mess up my very own Twitter handle.
1: But also follow us at Slam underscore 360 and the Slam go. City page on Facebook.
2: Newly created.
1: Instagram is in the process. A lot of, lot of great stuff. Know.
2: We're bringing you guys live uh, behind the scenes from the Liberty, behind the scenes from the show. We'll be A lot of great stuff is on those accounts. They're definitely worth a follow.
0: And thank yeah. you so much for following up with the show. Engage us. Talk to us. We're not awful people. At any rate, the big site, the Dunk 360, because there can only be one. That's right. We're out of here. See you next week.